What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week. In this episode, we are, of course, going to talk about the wild card game between the Buffalo Bills and Houston Texans. And for the Buffalo Bills, it was certainly a tale of two halves. We're also going to talk a little bit about the UB Bulls home game that was on the same day of the Buffalo Bills playoff game. So stick around and let's have some fun. Before we start this podcast, I want to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who has listened to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, I want you to share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or anybody you know that enjoys sports talk about Buffalo. Let them know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, on Anchor. If you want to contact me at all, you can get at me at my email, which is sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. That's sportstalkbuff1 on Twitter to find out the latest news and notes from the show and also my opinions on a lot of the things that are going on in and around sports in general. Again, thank you all for listening. So let's keep this podcast growing and keep the ball rolling. So if you're ready, let's jump right into it. All right, let's jump right into things here in segment number one and talk about the Bills versus the Texans in the playoffs, the wild card game, both teams coming into this game 10 and 6. The Bills, it was a tale of two halves for. It was a fantastic first half for the Buffalo Bills. They came out. They did things that they don't normally do, which is fantastic. The Bills ended up scoring on their opening drive. It was a fantastic drive. I believe it was six plays, 75 yards, and it ended with a touchdown pass from John Brown. Yes, you heard that. John Brown to Josh Allen for 16-yard touchdown and a little flavor at the end of it is Josh Allen does the John Brown dance. If you haven't seen it, go check that out. It is actually a really uh, funny dance that Josh Allen tries to emulate. <laughs> he does it uh, pretty poorly, actually, but but it is a funny nevertheless. As I said, it, the Bills ended up losing this game 22-19 to in overtime after leading 13 to nothing at halftime and 16 to nothing in the third quarter. Houston came roaring back, scoring 19 unanswered points to go up 19-16. The Bills were able to kick a late field goal to tie the game and take it into overtime. And of course, the Bills not able to get it done in overtime as Deshaun Watson drives his team down for a short field goal make by his kicker. But let's jump back to the tale of two halves in this one. We're going to talk about the Bills' defense was stellar in the first half, completely shutting out the Texans. They held Watson to just 6 of 8 passing for 48 yards and held Hopkins to 0 catches. Yes, 0 catches in the entire first half. The defense was able to get into Deshaun Watson's face time and time again. 
and they were doing it with just four-man rushes. They didn't have to blitz a lot, and that really helped the secondary uh, be able to defend better with that extra guy or extra guys in the secondary. The Bills were able to get four sacks in the first half. They were able to get seven total sacks in the game. They played a very strong game. Also in the first half, the Buffalo Bills offense was very, very good. They scored points on three of their four possessions, and they held the ball and drove the ball down the field very well and very successfully against this Houston Texans defense. One of the things that I have a gripe about is aside from that first drive touchdown, the Bills could only muster field goals. They held the ball, they drove the ball down well, the Texans we're not stopping the Bills from just marching right down the field. But then when the Bills would get into dangerous areas of the field, they couldn't quite seem to get it into the end zone. And that essentially is what made all of the difference. But in the first half, the Bills had scoring drives of six plays for 75 yards. That was a touchdown. They had an 11-play drive for 69 yards. That was a field goal. And a 15-play drive for 74 yards, and that was a field goal. Josh Allen in the first half played very, very, very well. He was a, a 13 of 20 for 131 yards. He had a uh, 52 yards rushing and, of course, caught that 16-yard touchdown. He had a 16-yard touchdown reception on that first drive. Now the Bills came out in the second half and they the, they didn't seem to play as well. The defense still played okay, but they didn't dominate the game the way they did in the first half. In the second half and overtime, Deshaun Watson was 14 of 17 for 199 yards and a touchdown. And he also rushed for a touchdown and it was an incredible rush by Deshaun Watson. He carried Buffalo Bills for the last five yards into the end zone with him, and that was one of the tide-changing plays in this game. You could really feel the momentum shift on that play, and it was just an absolutely huge play for the Texans. In the second half in overtime, after starting the uh, entire, having the entire first half being held to no catches, Hopkins had six catches for 90 yards. He still was held without a touchdown. And that is a big thing for Trey White. He has not, he had not allowed a touchdown against him all year long. The, he should absolutely be defensive player of the year. And I'm sure he won't get it simply because he plays in Buffalo. It is a smaller market, less exposure, but he is absolutely deserving of defensive player of the year. He was an absolutely stellar cornerback all year long. And as I said, it was a tale of two halves in this game. Josh Allen did not play very well at all, along with the rest of the offense in the second half. There was a lot of very questionable play calling in the second half and overtime. Josh Allen was just 11 of 26 for 133 yards, and he did lose a fumble, which turned out to be big as the Texans scored more points off of that turnover. Overall, I would like to say the Bills' defense played very, very well. They played more than good enough to win in my opinion, they had seven sacks, as I mentioned earlier, against Deshaun Watson. Three by Hughes, two by Trent Murphy, and one by Tremaine Edmonds. They were in his face all day long, making him very uncomfortable. A play that they should have had in overtime. It was Milano 
and uh, I forget uh, the other player who was in the backfield. They had Deshaun Watson dead to rights. Both guys couldn't wrap up. Watson was able to get free and make a play downfield. That was essentially what ended the game for the Buffalo Bills, and that was an absolute heartbreaker of a way to lose a game in the playoffs. As I mentioned before, the play calling in the second half for the offense was questionable at best. For a guy who uh, who is dominating to have just 13 carries, he was averaging 4.5 yards a carry, and yes, I'm talking about Devin Singletary. He was the Bills' offense. He also had six catches, I believe, for 76 yards or 75 yards. He was absolutely stellar in his first playoff game for the Buffalo Bills. Another thing I wanted to talk about is I love Frank Gore. I love what he's been able to do over his career. I love that he's been able to have such longevity, but can we stop handing him the ball, please? He had eight carries for just 22 yards, and 12 of those yards came on just one single run. He averaged just 2.2 yards a carry in this game. That is not good enough. That is not going to help you win playoff games. If you want him to be a battering ram down near the goal line, fine. That's the same thing that Jerome Bettis Bettis was doing at the end of his career. This is the end of Frank Gore's career, at least in Buffalo. I don't think they should bring him back at all. I think they should move on. They have their running back in Devin Singletary, and it was, uh, well, we we should thank Gore a little bit for helping mentor uh, Singletary how to keep himself healthy, how to how to really conduct himself as a pro running back. So I guess the season wasn't a complete wash for Frank Gore. He had some decent moments, but the Bills should definitely not bring him back. He looked old, he looked slow, and of course, he did he was very very ineffective. Now some takeaways from the entire season for the Buffalo Bills. I'm sure I'll talk a little bit more about this as the weeks progress. And as I start to, you know, really delve into the Buffalo Bills season a little bit more, but just a couple of quick things off the top here. On the season, uh, I would like to say Josh Allen progressed a considerable amount from his rookie year to this year. And that is something that was completely uh, paramount for the Bills to be able to make it into the playoffs. And for anyone Outside of Buffalo, everyone in Buffalo knows this, but if anyone outside of Buffalo compares Tyrod Taylor to Josh Allen again, I'm going to jump through this microphone and punch you in the nose. That is a terrible take. You know, everyone is entitled to terrible takes, but this is a take that needs to just go away and go away forever. Josh Allen is a far better quarterback in year two than Tyrod Taylor was in year seven, sitting behind a guy who won a Super Bowl. Yes, he sat behind a guy who won a Super Bowl, and he still was average at his very best. Josh Allen is average at his worst and very good at his best, but one of the things that he will need to do is take another step in order to be considered a franchise quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Another thing is Devin Singletary, I hated that pick. What a terrible take by me for not liking that pick in the third round. Clearly, they seen something that a lot of people, maybe they other people didn't see. A small school guy, Devin Singletary, an absolute stud. He has been an absolute stud all season long, and he was an absolute stud in the playoffs. 
This kid can ball. What a pick in the third round of the draft. Sure, he's only five foot seven, but he's also 200 pounds. This kid is slippery. He breaks arm tackles. He breaks tackles where he's wrapped up on by two guys. He did that in this game and was able to gain a first down at a crucial moment at the end of the first half. In this game, the Buffalo Bills have definitely found themselves a very, very good running back uh, for now and into the future. Also, the Buffalo Bills, if they can keep the defense, maybe not, you know, top three in the NFL, if they can keep them top 10 in the NFL, which I think they will be able to do, as long as Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are controlling that defense, the Bills will be very, very solid for years to come. It is a very, very good defense, and if they can keep a majority of the players intact on that defense, they are going to be able to keep the Bills in a lot of ball games. Something else that, you know, a lot of people who listen to the Bills, listen to me and watch the Bills, I should say, a take that a lot of people seem to agree with. This is something that I think the Bills coaching staff really missed on, but I'm not there. I'm not in the room. Maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe they didn't want to turn him loose. I'm not sure. I don't know. Duke Williams, they, you know, he had a, a couple of opportunities to make some really big plays. Couldn't make the big plays, but I really attribute that to not really being seeing a lot of game action. The last two weeks he played, but before that he didn't really have a lot of game action. And I think that he gives something the Buffalo to the Buffalo Bills wide receivers that they don't have. And that is size and somebody who was able to make contested catches. He made Three contested catches in the first half alone. Yes, did he drop that one ball in the end zone? He sure did. It was a it was a very tough catch to make. Should he have made that catch? Probably. You're going to say he dropped one near the sideline, but it was just, if you watch the replay, it was a very good play by the DB, ripping his hands away from the ball along the sideline. He had a very solid, solid game, and he seems to have chemistry with Josh Allen, and last, my last point of this season, even though we have somebody like Duke Williams and John Brown and Cole Beasley, I still think the Bills need to go out and draft themselves a wide receiver. And I'm not talking about somebody that can just go deep and, and take the top off the defense. We need a guy that can run all the routes and a guy with some decent size. Somebody 6'1", 6'2", maybe 6'3", that can go down the field and make some contested catches. If Duke will, if you don't think Duke Williams is that guy, we definitely, we definitely need to go in the draft and make a pick that is going to help Josh Allen take that next step and be that franchise quarterback that we so desperately, desperately need here in Buffalo. To recap, that is an absolute punch to the gut to finish the Buffalo Bills season. They had multiple opportunities to win this game, multiple opportunities to go on to the next round, and we will have to wait. Hopefully next year will be the year that the Bills win their first playoff game since 1995 with Jim Kelly 
We have waited a very long time not to, to just get to the playoffs. Now we've gotten to the playoffs. Now we want more. We want the Bills to start winning games in the playoffs, and we want them to be built into a Super Bowl contender. And I have full and 100% faith in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and what they're doing with this organization. We'll see what they what the type of things they do in the offseason, but I'm very stoked for what the Bills have in store for them in the future. I can't wait. It was a great season, Bills fans. So on that note, that's going to end this segment. Stick around if you want to hear about the UB Bulls versus the Northern Illinois University basketball team. It's going to be a good time, so stick around. All right, let's jump right into segment two, and we're going to talk about the UB Bulls versus the Northern Illinois Huskies. In this game, I actually went to this game. It was a Christmas gift from my wife. It was a great Christmas gift. It was fantastic. I went with my brother-in-law. Uh, it was my first game of the year at home for UB. It was the first one I could make it to, unfortunately. I did buy the ESPN Plus app so that I could watch all of the UB Bulls games, football and basketball from my phone. But nevertheless, this is my first game that I could attend in person. And I got to tell you, I was a little disappointed. I was hoping and praying that it wasn't going to be another Dartmouth you know, an army game, but it was, the Bulls came out, they were flat, their defense was not stopping anything, their offense was just disconjointed, they looked out of, out of sorts, and it really took a lot for the Bulls to even claw back in this game. I gotta be honest, the game was closer than it was the a majority of the game. Uh, the final score was closer than the majority of the game was. The Bulls had a heroic effort to try to come back in this one, but end up falling short 73-72 to to Northern Illinois. This is the third home loss of this season. The Bulls previously had won 26 straight games at home, and all three losses for the Bulls were against teams they had no business losing to. Dartmouth, Army, Northern Illinois. The Bulls have more talent than all of those teams. It is a a crying shame that they cannot seem to find the consistency that would make this team comparable to the team of two years ago. A team that shocked a lot of people that I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but a team that was very, very good and very strong. If they could learn to play consistently on defense and offense, mind you, this team would be a almost a sure lock to win their third straight MAC title. But they can't, and this is where we're at. The Bulls are now nine and five on this season. They've lost two game two more games than they've lost all of last year. Now again, was it realistic for me to believe that the Bulls were going to only lose three games after losing so many talented players last year? Absolutely not. I knew there would be some some you know uh, downfall, you know some regression. That's the good word for it. Some regression in this program, but I don't 
the, I think the thing that hurts the most is the fact that they're losing to teams that they have no business losing to in the first place. The Bulls were eight and a half point favorites against NIU. They were 16 and a half point favorites against Army. And I believe they were close to 10 point favorites against Dartmouth. And they had lost all three games. That is not a good sign for the UB Bulls program, basketball program. And it is definitely a sign of a big regression. Now, you know, I was told that obviously maybe it's not the coaching, that the coaching is fine, but you know, maybe it is a little bit of the coaching. They have tons of talent on this team and he just doesn't seem to put his players in the right position to win and win consistently. Now, I want to keep the same style that we had from the teams that made him so successful. Of course I do, but maybe we need to change things up just a little bit, tweak them just a little bit in order to match the talent and skill level that we have on this UB team. Now the offense, as I said, they did not look cohesive again. They seemed to force a lot of shots. UB shot just 34.8% from the field and 27.3% from three-point range. Those are putrid numbers from UB, a team that should be able or that is averaging over 80 points a game or were averaging over 80 points a game all season long. They shot like absolute booty cheeks. They were not very good. And on the defensive side, they could not close out on the three-pointers for NIU. They were giving NIU a lot of easy buckets. And as a result of that, NIU shot 53.7% from the floor and 45% from behind the arc. That is just not going to get it done, especially against the more talented teams in the MAC conference. UB really needs to tighten that up. Another thing for concern and has been concerning all season long is the free throw shooting for the Bulls. They shot just 62.5%. I believe they were 15 from 26 from the free or free throw line. That is not good enough. If they hit just five more of those, if they shoot 70 to 75% from the free throw line, they win this game and it's probably you know, not coming down to the last second for UB to win this game. It could be a completely different game overall. Some takeaways from this game is the Bulls need more from starting guard Antoine Johnson. He is a senior. He needs to be a senior leader on this team. And over three from behind the arc and just one from four from the floor is not going to get it done. He finished with three points and he had, he had one from the floor and he had uh, one free, made free throw. Devontae Jordan needs to be better. He is another senior guard that has looked a little sluggish defensively, but the whole team has completely looked a little sluggish defensively in the, uh, in this season. He needs to step up his, he needs to bring his game to a level, uh, that was higher than he was even last year. Is he capable of that? I'm not sure. I really hope he is. He's a great player and I hope that he can, uh, continue his upward trend with the UB Bulls, but offensively, you know, I was never really going to rely on Devontae Jordan. He has played far, he has exceeded, far exceeded my expectations this year offensively. He has been shooting the ball very well, but not in this game. He was 4 of 15 
from the floor, but he did salvage his night and still managed 11 points on 3 of 8 shooting from the 3-point line. Another person that struggled mightily in this game was Javon Graves. He chucked a lot of shots up, a lot of contested shots. I know you want to be the man. I know this is your team now, but I got to tell you, you can't take some of these shots. You are the man on this team. You are one of the guys on this team that we are going to rely on offensively, but you have to make better decisions with your shot. You have to make better shot taking decisions, make better decisions when taking shots. Jeez, I couldn't spit that out. Also, you have to be able to play more cohesively. You're not the only guy on this team. We have a lot of talented guys, and I want to see you distribute the ball a little bit better. And when you do take these shots, I want to see you knock them down. He was 5 of 19 from the floor and just 2 of 10 from the three-point line. Like I said, he took a lot of questionable shots in big moments in this game. Now, if the Bulls want to three-peat in the MAC conference, they will need to be far better on the defensive side of the ball, and get more transition buckets. They need to get out in transition and get those easy layups as they did in years past. This team is a little slow, looks a little slower out of the gate than teams pass, and that might just be the personnel, but maybe it's the effort. I'm not sure. Maybe it's the way that the team is is constructed under Jim Weitzel. But in order to play that fast style, they need to get out and run the ball more or, you know, run with the ball more and get some more of those transition buckets and transition looks on the offensive or on the defensive side and the offensive side. Offensively, when they have their, their set offenses, they need to play more cohesive. As I said, there seems to be a lot more step back jumpers and things of that nature and a lot of uh, dribble drives, a lot of more dribble drives in this this year than there have been in years past. Maybe I'm looking into it uh, a little bit too much, or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong in that sense in terms of the dribble drives, but there have been a lot more step back jumpers in this year's UB Bulls team. And I do not like to see that very much. Uh, We are not a power five uh, type shooting team. We cannot make those shots consistently. And we have proven that all season long. We need to drive and kick the ball to the corners or to the open guy, make the extra pass, and then knock down your open shot. UB gives gives up a lot of open shots in order to try to drive the ball, and then they end up running into a brick wall, and it either gets blocked or they turn the ball over or, you know, they make a questionable pass or something like that seems to happen. Instead of taking their open looks and knocking them down, the Bulls seem to kind of hesitate a little bit. Play uh, play fast, play with confidence, and this team has the skill to play with just about anybody in the country. That is my take on the UB Bulls. Hopefully we, are ha- we have a lot more good things in store from this team as the season goes on. With the Bills season done, I'm sure I'm going to be talking, and the UB Bulls football team done, I'm sure I'm going to be talking a lot more about the basketball team and the Buffalo Sabres. So again, thank you guys for listening. If you want to uh, hit me up, you can hit me up on Twitter at SportstalkBuff1. You can uh, email me at uh, SportstalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. You can also leave me any sort of voice message, essentially calling into the podcast and leave a message uh, at anchor.fm 
on my podcast channel. You can also spread the word. Let let your friends and family know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, as I mentioned, right here on Anchor. Thank you again for listening this week. Have a good week.